Good morning. Let me get situated here really quick. Awesome. Good morning. Like uh, John Kim said, my name is Mario Perez. I am the youth director here at the River. I have been here now for full-time for about 10 months, interning here for the past three and a half years. Um, So a little bit about me, guys, is I was born in Chino, California, raised in Ontario. I attended this small Christian school called Ontario Christian. Um, Some of you guys are big fans of that, as I've heard. Uh, yeah, but I just, I'm excited to be here this morning to share with you what God has been doing in my life um, this past year and a half, actually a year and three months to this date. Um, May 3rd, 2015, I graduated from California Baptist University with a degree in sociology. And so you thinking, sociology, what are you going to do with that? And that was the same thing going through my mind when I graduated But God has a plan. God had a plan, and it's so awesome to see God just show up in mighty ways. It's so awesome to see how God revealed himself and what he taught me this past year and a half. Um, For my youth students, they have heard this story a few times of just God's faithfulness in my life. So uh, a couple months ago, actually about a month ago, Pastor Scott pulled me aside, went to my office, and kind of walked in. It's like, hey, you're preaching on July 3rd. And I said, oh, okay. And he goes, all right, talk to you soon about that. It's like, all right, cool. So I found out I was preaching, and then I was trying to figure out, okay, what, what text should I, should I talk about with you guys? And he mentioned to me, talk about something that's been coming alive to you. And as I reflect back in my life, uh, there's been a certain text that has, just, has shown itself, and God has showed, it, showed himself through this text. Let me just back up a little bit. So I, like I said, I graduated from California Baptist University, and as I graduated, it was May 4th, and May 3rd, and then afterwards, I uh, went home, started living with my, went back home living with my parents, and that was great, but I had this very expensive piece of paper, very expensive piece of paper, and it said, hey, this guy's educated, but nobody thought I was educated because nobody would hire me. So I remember being in my room, eating a bag of sunflower seeds, and wondering, my life, wondering what am I going to do with my life? Like asking God, God, what are you going to do? Like, what, what do you have planned? Because I'm currently just sitting here eating a bag of sunflower seeds watching Law and Order. Like, God, what are you going to do? And God showed up. I remember being in my room and I was like, you know, I'm going to go do something I really love to do. And for those who know me really well, one of my biggest passions is to fish. I love to fish. Really kind of a nerdy sport, but I love it. It's so much fun. And some of the best memories I have of fishing are with my dad. Uh, my parents are here this morning. It's awesome to see them. Hi, Mom. Hi, Dad. Hi, my brother and RJ. Um, but some of the best memories I have is getting up at 3.30 in the morning and going fishing with my dad. I remember getting up early in the morning, driving out to... Redondo Beach or San Pedro or Long Beach, and you have the smell of salt water in the air. Um, you're just ready to get in the boat. And I remember going to the boat and then seeing these guys on the boat and they're working. They're cutting fish, cleaning fish, helping people get set up to go fish. And these guys are working nonstop. And the guys that work on the boat are called the deckhands. So in my time of unemployment, I figured I'll go be a deckhand. I've been fishing my whole life, worked at a tackle shop throughout high school. I kind of know what, I know what they do. I, I can keep up and do it. And oh, it was hard work. It was very hard work. So anybody who has been deep sea fishing, you see these guys on the boat and they're constantly going. 
when I would, uh, I made two phone calls, and next thing you know, I ended up working on this boat in San Pedro on 22nd Street Landing, and I would have to leave my house from Ontario at 2.30 in the morning to be by the landing at 3.30 in the morning. So I get to the landing at 3.30 in the morning, and as soon as I get there, I'm cutting big blocks of frozen squid. To this day, I cannot eat calamari because of it. But big blocks of frozen squid, cutting, and then not next thing you know, helping people set up their line to go catch fish. And this is an all-day thing. This isn't just a a couple hours. This is from 3.30 in the morning to 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, sometimes midnight of nonstop work. And I remember one day in particular, I was working, and I I went to bed the night before at midnight on the boat, slept overnight on the boat, and woke up, and it was 3.30 in the morning, got three and a half hours of sleep. I remember sitting there and sitting against the rail of the boat, and I'm just like, God, why? Here, I, here you equip me and like have sent me to school, and I'm educated. I mean, I was remembering all of the long hours. I was remembering all of the papers, the late-nighters, the all-nighters, the test, and all that hard work to get this piece of paper, and right now I'm on a boat. Like, what are you doing, God? I remember just asking God, like, what, what are you doing in my life? feeling frustrated, feeling anger, feeling just doubt of God working in my life. And as I sit there doing all this labor-intense stuff, I'm re- I realize, okay, God, God's going to do something in this. God is going to make this a story, but right now this isn't really much, that much fun. Um, so as Pastor Scott asked me to speak, like I said, a text really came alive and a text really spoke out to me. And that text is found out of Matthew 4. So you get your Bibles, turn to Matthew 4. First book of the New Testament. And last week, if you were here, Pastor Brian Vanertag spoke. And um, one thing that he, I grew up in the church, he uh, was a pastor at Cross Point CRC. And one thing I loved doing was, as we read God's word, can we please stand together? So if you get there, Matthew 4, uh, verses, verses 18. So if you turn there, please stand as we read God's word. Hear the word of the Lord. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. Verse 20. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two brothers, James and Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat, and their father Zebedee, preparing their nets... Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may have a seat. So we see here, what we see here are these fishermen, okay? So fishermen during this time, fishing is a very prosperous industry during this time. But it required lots of hard work. It required from working from sunrise to sunset, and we see two fish. We see two sets of fishermen here, two sets of brothers. And for fishermen, in order for someone to be a fisherman, they either had to do two things. One, they didn't continue education. They went to school for a period of time and they stopped either on their own choosing, or the second thing, they were they weren't asked to study under a rabbi. So we see these we see these brothers that are working. They're out. They're casting their nets. They're in. Um, they're in this giant sea, and they're fishing. They're trying to make a living. Um, they probably weren't accepted. They fishermen weren't seen as very highly respected people. In fact, they were seen as kind of low bottom 
top-tier people. Um, they weren't, like I said, they weren't respected. And they probably didn't do a whole well in school, or they just didn't like school. So we know that their past and their current circumstances, their past they had as children, and their current lifestyle now as fishermen, doesn't really give them much room to venture off to do anything. They're kind of stuck in this place of working. They're stuck. They can't do anything else. What they do requires a lot of work. And they're in this place of nonstop grind. They're going and going and going. And what they were good at, guys, required lots of work. Like I said, it was a sunrise to sunset. And where the sea is at, it's in a valley. So I can only imagine how hot it is. Um, the heat and me don't really get along. I got heat exhaustion a few days ago, and that drained me. I'm still trying to recover for, to this day. So I can only imagine what the disciples go through every day trying to recover and trying to work in this like awful heat. And they, it's a lot of prep work. So when they prep, they have to get the nets ready. They have to know where the fish are at. And they have to set their boats out. And as fishermen, these guys are young. We see these, these fishermen are young. They one set are one set of brothers. They're probably maybe late teens, early 20s. And the other set of brothers, we see them they're with their dad. If you look at verse, excuse me, at verse 20, I believe. Uh, James and John are with their dad. It says they're with their dad, Zebedee. So we know by this, verse 21, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, they were with their father. They're young men. They're probably 13, 14 years old, and they're with their dad, and they're working. So I can only imagine that these fishermen are working and trying to make a name for themselves. They're trying to prove to their father. They're trying to prove to themselves that they can do this. I can do this. I'm going to make a name for myself. I'm going to try to build my identity in this. And they're working and working and working and working. And they're most likely generational fishermen. This is probably in a family trait that they probably think this is second nature and they're just, they're trying to make an identity for themselves. Excuse me. And then we see them working, but then we see something really just out of the blue. This man, Jesus, shows up. And when Jesus shows up, expect things to change. Expect the atmosphere to change. Expect plans to be changed. Jesus shows up and he calls them. He calls them in verse 19. He says, come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. And Christ's following, Christ's Christ calling to the fishermen is followed by this promise it is followed by this promise of an identity being given. They are promised this identity that they're going to be somebody. They're promised this identity that they're going to be bigger than something that they're, that they're, they're trying to make themselves. Jesus promises them, hey, I'm going to make you fishers of men. So he uses terms that they can understand. I'm going to make you fishers like you guys are fishermen, but I'm going to make you fishers of men. Jesus relates to them. Jesus goes down to where they are at and lets them know, I'm going to make you something bigger than you. I am going to equip you and make you something that you, that's going to be bigger than what you can imagine. This new opportunity arrives, and this change of routine takes place. We see that they, this routine that they have every day for their past whole life has now changed. Everything about them now has changed. And as I can only imagine the disciples as they're there, they're probably thinking, 
oh, sure, Jesus calls. I'll just get my feet wet, like do this for a little bit, follow the sky, and then come back and then finish off my family business. But Christ's calling in their lives was way more than getting their feet wet. Christ's calling in their lives required them to go fully immersed. It required 100%, not 50, not 75. It required 100% dedication. It required them to stop and drop their nets. And as we see their response, they dropped their nets. They didn't say, oh, let me think about it. No, they dropped their nets where they were at. Immediately, they stopped. And they, and they accepted this calling. Christ approaches them and then commands them to follow. And one thing that I really like about this is we don't read that the disciples go out to Jesus. We don't read that the disciples are looking for Jesus or they clean themselves up or they, they like walk away a little bit and go look for Jesus. No, Jesus goes exactly where they are at. Jesus comes down into the valley where they are at and says, hey, Follow me. In their filth, in their, like, I can only imagine how much it smells there. And Jesus goes down into the smelly place. Jesus goes down into this valley in the heat and calls them where they are at and not where they hope to be. And now as they get called, now as they're being called by Christ, they can have this comfort that they belong. They belong to somebody. They belong part of something bigger than themselves. That their comfort is not found in their work. Their comfort is found in what Christ calls them to do. And as Christ calls out, he, as Christ calls out, he promised to equip them. He promises to be with them. He gives them a new identity. And I can only imagine what the disciples were thinking at this time. Not just the disciples, but I want to focus on Zebedee really quick, the dad here. Growing up, I remember working on Saturday mornings with my dad and my brother. And if you know my dad, he's an individual who loves to get the job done. Let's get this job done and let's focus on this. Get it done so we can go do other stuff. And I like to be distracted. It's, I'm easily very distracted. Um, so I remember one time on a Saturday morning, we were, we were cleaning, we were doing the yard. And in the distance, I hear the ice cream truck. And my heart just sounds pounding. I get really excited. I'm like, oh my gosh, there's ice cream coming. And there's nothing that sounds better on a really hot Saturday morning than ice cream. So I see the ice cream man truck and I start waving at him like, come here, come here. And I go and I get the ice cream. I get my dad, I'm like, dad, can I borrow a dollar, dollar 25? Can get an ice cream. And I remember stopping what I'm doing, stopping doing this hard labor work for something nice, cold, and refreshing. This nice, like, ice cream cone, this the, I used to get the ice cream sandwiches or the Sunday cone. It was super good. I remember getting that and just stopping, just being there with my dad, eating the ice cream cone. and like, okay, eating it, it's great. It feels really good. It's cold. And, oh, it's just that moment of rest. And then it's back to work. Now, imagine this. Now, imagine if I get the ice cream cone and I go back with the ice cream man. It's like, all right, dad, see you later. Like, I leave with the ice cream man. That's like the beginning of a horror story. Like, that's not good. But the disciples, the, the disciples, they, they get this experience of something new, this experience of refreshment, a new opportunity and a moment of rest comes their way and they take it and they go with it. They go with this opportunity that comes before them and they run with it. At once, they drop their nets and they leave with Jesus. Jesus. 
And I could only imagine the father being like, all right, get the net. And then the, like, the son's leaving, like, oh, okay. And then, like, all this work now has to go to the father. But Christ equips, and Christ is there. And now, we, as we see this passage, and I kind of I look at this passage, and I say, okay, how did this passage speak to my life? How did this passage reveal itself? And, like, how did God reveal this passage in my life? And one thing that I, I thought about was our everyday life leads us to believe we are too busy or inadequate in what Christ is calling us to do. Many times we feel as if like, life is busy, and I, and I understand like, life is very busy, but it's become to the point where busyness is now our new norm. And if we're not busy, we're seen as, as lazy and <laughs> We don't have people seeing us as lazy because automatically we have a negative concept of laziness. But in reality, we're a society that lacks rest. We're a society that lacks of being still and knowing that he is God. It is so hard for us to stop. In moments of silence, many of us don't know how to handle it. We feel like it's awkward. We feel like, oh no, like it's quiet. But yet Christ is calling us at times to stop. Like I said, we're like busyness, it's part of our everyday life. And at times this busyness, and busyness can be good, don't get me wrong, busyness can be good. But at times busyness can become an excuse of what Christ, of what Christ is calling us into. Christ can be calling us into many things, but at times we use busyness as an excuse, to, as a barrier to keep us from Christ. We try to find and use excuses. We try to find and use excuses to kind of keep us in this place of comfortability, keep us safe, keep us away from getting out of our comfort zone. The fishermen did it. They were, in, they were fishing. They didn't go to school. They didn't do any higher education. They went back to what they were comfortable in. And so many of us here at times like to do that. We like to go back to a place of comfortability, what we're good at, what we're known in and what we can do and we stay there we just like chill in there it's great I know I know my circle I know who I can talk to who I don't talk to I know my capability I know what I can do so we return to these places of comfortability and when someone approaches us and asks us a question about hey I have this new ministry opportunity coming your way or someone challenges you we like to use the excuse my favorite one let me pray about it let me just let me, let, me, let me pray about that. So many times I have heard that, and so many times I have used that same line. Of, let me just pray about it. Now, I'm not saying that God doesn't work in prayer. Don't, get, don't, don't take that the wrong way. No, God does work in prayer, and God wants to hear from you. But at times, prayer should not be an excuse from God's calling in your life. I mean, I, mean, I remember hearing times when I'm like, Talking to my friends, I'm like, hey, I, when I was an intern here, we needed a small group leader. I asked a friend, hey, I'd love for you to be a small group leader for freshman high schoolers. And my friend looked at me and goes, let me pray about it. And that's just the Christian way of saying no. I mean, just, you, you, might as, you might as well just say no at that point. He's like, let me just, let me just pray about it. And it's like, no. Like, okay. And I didn't know what to say. I was like, yeah, just see what God says and just let me know. Still waiting. At times, so we use that excuse to let me pray about it. We also, I, we also hear one that kind of, in a way, goes like, brings us back to where we were at one, to bring us back at where we were at one point. 
um, many of us use excuse, oh, that's not me. Uh, I don't, I don't, I'm not equipped. That's not what I do. Or I, I, I can't do that. I'm not equipped for that. Um, I don't have a passion for that. And don't, don't, don't use those excuses because Christ's calling in our lives is followed by this promise of being equipped. I look, at, I look throughout Scripture, and if you look throughout Scripture and you see people who have been called, one of my favorite people who I love, I just love reading this story, and, it, and it's become so alive to me, has been the Exodus story. And God's calling on Moses' life. And we see Moses there, and God calls him, and Moses tries to throw every excuse. He's just like, I... I can't do this, God. And God's like, no, you're going to do this. And he's like, well, I have a speech impediment. Like he tried, he like started taking personal shots on himself. And he's like, I have a speech impediment, God. I can't speak in front of people. And God's like, oh, don't worry. I got someone for you to do that already. Like every excuse he tried throwing out, God provided for him. God showed up, was like, no, here's what you're going to do. You cannot run from God's calling. You cannot run from the calling he has in your life. And many times in our lives, we feel like we can say, no, God, I'm going to do that later. No, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop. I'm just going to do me. I'm going to stay in my comfort zone. But yet Christ calls us out of our comfort zone. Christ calls us out and tells us to drop our nets. Christ calls us to drop our nets where they are at and immediately follow him. We don't see the disciples saying, let me pray about it, Jesus. Let me go ask my dad. No, they dropped their nets where they were at, and immediately they followed him. They followed Christ where they were at. They didn't bring themselves to this place of deserving poor. They didn't have to work for God's calling. They didn't have to work for Christ's love. Christ met them where they were at, and they dropped their nets, and they followed him where, he, where they were at. Not where they hoped to be. Christ's calling family creates room for God to work in and through our lives so that his name be glorified. Like I said, Christ calls us where we are at now and not where we hope to be or want to be. And here's the the thing, and this, this may not sound nice, this may not sound what you want to, this may not be something you want to hear, but Christ calls us when we least expect it. Not when we plan it out. I feel like many times in our lives, we, have, we want to plan out what we, our lives. We want to plan out what we're doing. We want to plan out our, our one-year goal, six-month goal, year goal, five-year, 10-year, 15-year. No, <laughs> I tried doing that in Christ. Like, nope. Christ calls us during his time. And his timing is always perfect. His timing is way better than our timing. The calling in our lives, guys, family, friends, the calling in our lives is followed by this promise of being equipped. Christ is going to, Christ is calling each and every one of us here. And I I pray that you do not fear or doubt that you are inadequate for Christ's calling. Because I'll tell you this, Christ's calling is followed by this promise of being equipped. And one way that he equips us is through the Holy Spirit. Um, on the day of Pentecost, when Jesus went up, and then 40 days later, 40 days later, the day of Pentecost came, Christ sent down the Holy Spirit to be with us, to guide us, to direct us, to walk beside us. The Holy Spirit is with us every day of our life. Not when we feel like we're, he's, is with, he is with us just as much when we're like really close with God. 
And he is just as much with us when we feel like we are away from God. That presence never leaves us. That presence is always there. And he gives us this this gift of the Holy Spirit to guide and direct us and equip us for what he has called us to do. In order for God to be glorified, guys, in order for God to be glorified through us, we need to drop our nets and follow. Now, I've been talking a lot about this calling, and many of you you probably asking, well, what what does this calling mean? What is this calling? Well, each of us here had the same, kind of the same calling, and it's this, to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. That's found out of Matthew 28, 19, the Great Commission. And one translation, Matthew is written Aramaic, and the translation, it should be written as, as you go, make disciples of all nations. So as you live life, as you go through your everyday life, make disciples. May Jesus be a reflection, be reflected through your words, through your actions, and through your thoughts. That is the base, the, our base calling. And for some of us here, our calling is, is that and a little more. Some of us here, our calling is to have a deeper relationship with Christ. Many of us have probably pushed Christ aside because of our busyness. Or because of family issues, health issues, work issues. And we kind of have pushed Christ aside and say, you know what? I'm gonna, I need to focus on this first. Instead of saying, Christ, I need you to focus on this. Some of, us here are, some of us here are calling us to be a better spouse. For some of us here, our calling may be being involved in some sort of ministry here at the river. Or in your community. Maybe your calling this morning is to love those who you have a really hard time loving. Maybe your calling this morning is picking up that, that phone and calling that person who you've been having a hard time with. Maybe your calling this morning is to stop and to be still and to know that He is God. So Christ's calling in our lives, family, is followed by a promise, is followed by being equipped. Like I said, this past year, God has shown so many things to me and has revealed himself in so many different ways. Um, as, I, I, as I was fishing on the boat, working on the boat, I get a phone call one day uh, from Nick Inhout, Pastor Nick. And he called me up. He goes, hey, just by the way, the position at the river opened up for the youth pastor position, and we'd love for you to apply. And I was like, ah, okay, fine. I'll just, I'll do this. So I applied, and then loaded, like, after the process of everything, interviewed. The next day, I get a call saying, hey, Mario, we'd like to extend a call to you to be the youth director of the river. And I said, yes, absolutely. And as I said yes, I was like, what am I getting myself into? <laughs> what am I getting myself into now? Because now I, people have to ask, people ask me the questions and I can't go directly to Nick. I have to know the answers. And I remember just being there. I said, okay, God, like if you're calling me into this, you're going to need to equip me. You're going to need to give me the strength and the patience to do this position because I can't do this by myself. And God has shown up in such marvelous ways this year. Being in the youth ministry and seeing God work in the lives of our youth has, has been so awesome, has been so exciting to see. A couple weeks ago, we went to this, this camp called Camp Dunamis. And Camp Dunamis is run by our class's, 
California South classes, Greater Los Angeles area, and uh, classes Red Mesa out in New Mexico. And there are well over 30 churches represented at this middle school camp. Okay, middle school camp, 30 churches represented. And let me just tell you this. When you get 160 middle schoolers in one room praising God, there's no better sound than that. There's no better sound than hearing 161 voices all in one accord giving praise to their creator. God showed up that week. And I'll tell you what, there were a few students that came to mind as I was preparing this that, that, that stopped and listened to God's call. One student in particular, I remember talking to him, and as the, one of the nights, we have a night where we say, hey, if you need Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or you've been pushing him aside, we'd love to pray for you. Kind of a rededication, dedication night. And one of the students in particular that came to mind was one of the first ones that were, was up and was ready to receive this. And I said, what, what are you feeling? He goes, God's love. And I, I feel God's love pulling at me. A middle schooler experience, middle schoolers are experiencing God's love in their lives and they too are experiencing this calling and they too are dropping their nets. I don't know you, but middle schoolers worry about what people around them are saying. We all naturally do it. We're afraid of what people around us say and so we try to, we limit ourselves because of that. These middle schoolers didn't care who was around them. They didn't care who was watching. They were the first ones up to say, you know what, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. I want this. I, I accept this calling in my life. And to see lives transformed, to see God work in the lives of middle schoolers that week will forever be engraved in my head. It was such a powerful week of God moving, of God working, and these students leaving down the mountain on fire, passionate, excited for Christ because they stopped and they dropped their nets. They dropped their nets of, people, of people's expectations around them. And they didn't care. And they said, okay, Christ, do your thing. Now, as we close, as you guys go out this week, as you guys even go out starting now, what is Christ calling you? What, is the nets, what are the nets in your life that Christ is asking to drop? You know them. I don't. I know the nets that I need to drop in my life. But Christ is calling each and every one of us. Like I said, it might be a deeper relationship. It might, it might be starting a ministry or being involved in a ministry or loving those who it's really hard to love. But, I prom- but as you get called, remember this, Christ's calling in our lives is promised by being equipped. Christ is going to equip you. Our God is faithful and our God loves and he will be with you Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your love. We thank you, Father God, for loving us when we don't deserve love. We thank you, Father God, for calling us in our sin, in our doubt, in our fear. And we pray, Father God, that as we leave this place today, that you be with us, that you guide us, that you direct us. May you be glorified through us, Father God. May we drop our nets where we are at now. And may we follow you. God, we love you and we worship you. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen.